Welcome to the Unlock Philippines podcast, your once or twice weekly informational podcast on all things lockdown management related. We hope to help you get through what you need to get through so we can keep it together while we social distance apart. I'm Jet Akuzar. I'm based in the Philippines. And I'm Jantina Fong Nigaman. That's N-I-G-G-E-M-A-N-N, a Filipina based in Hong Kong, and we are your hosts. In this special episode of Pandummies, we do a deep dive into our favorite diversion of recent lockdown times, Normal People, a millennial coming-of-age story about two young people set in Ireland. The plot follows Marianne and Connell as they navigate their post-adolescence and pre-adulthood at each other's side in the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, will-they-or-won't-they love story in recent memory. Based on the best-selling book by Sally Rooney, it was recently adapted for TV and is completely breaking the internet like it totally broke us. In this episode, we tackle who got on nostalgia in the time of COVID, unrequited love, power struggles, and of course, our personal stories from the deep and deeply embarrassing traumas of our youths, including all the lessons we learned along the way. this is not a show nor was it a book for people who are that young like i think this is for people like us <laughs> who have really gone through it i mean they have really gone through this yes this yes 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 like we've this, been there yeah. this once in a lifetime yeah. if you're lucky thing that lucky? really like makes what well, i mean lucky but also unlucky but come on to have felt in such a way and to I don't have been know. Like in my so case. vulnerable. I think is it's. I think it's it's. it's I think it's valuable. I'm I'm sure that in some way we have grown from that. But it's you, just it it's very much. I think this once in a lifetime, if you're lucky, thing where it literally makes zero sense, especially when you look back now. But it's just like magnets being drawn to each other, but not knowing that magnetism exists. I just think that's such a function of youth, and I think that's what part of that's part of what makes the story yes. so honest and like mm-hmm. really, really took us there because it was really confusing, but in an honest way. Like when you're so young and mm-hmm. you're just completely Clueless, and utterly yeah. bewildered, yeah, as mm-hmm. to certain things you've said or done, and it's just this really weird disconnect with sense. That of course you mm. look back when you're older, yes. and you're just like really like it was so easy why couldn't I have just said what I needed to say and everything would have been sorted when we're young we just do the dumbest most puzzling things but it's so crazy it's so specific to write about it Mm -hmm. like I don't know how Sally Rooney does it and 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 how the producers were able to um translate that on screen Do you think that the unspoken drama and mega tension between Marianne and Connell is also very Pinoy? Yes. Like, I feel like Pinoy's really get this like We live for the, that. It's this who got. Oh, that's what it is. Yes. It's who got. Oh, correct. Oh that's my why, god. I mean, yes. that's why so many like, you know, this is a story happening about uh, happening to like a couple of Irish kids like a world away. But it is like killing the Pinoys right now like my whatsapp is like blowing up and I'm seeing it on like everyone's instagram sorry it's because the hugot is so great and I don't think I need yes. to explain 
what who what is. Yeah, it's it's that. It's Mm, maybe that's also a reason why um, this kind of story translates really well to Filipinos in particular. Not for sure. Fucking hugot, man! Like this is this is the hugot of all (laughs) hugots. Yes, that's so good. Oh my god, yes. You know what's also super interesting is that I thought I had been so drained of emotion like you know anger um incredulity um uh just like a drained of a lot of you know heavy and also negative emotions from everything that's that's happening happening with the pandemic and and then something like this comes along this show and it turns out man i've got so much more to give there's a well there's a deep 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 well oh my god feelings man and they can still come out and they can overflow i you know what it's okay it felt a bit like therapy and i'm i'm good at that i love therapy can't wait to tell my therapist about this i think it's because we're all just very sad right now and even if it's super clear what we're sad about we just want to feel something else if that mm-hmm. makes sense, at least that's my pandemic experience. Like, I'm so anxious and afraid and nervous and unsure about everything. And I keep thinking, should I have done my quarantine in Bataan, like in the countryside? Why, why did I stay in the city? You know, all these things, like, um, constantly questioning every decision that I've made since they've locked us down. But to be honest, like, it's almost like this is a welcome distraction, because it's a very kind of self-indulgent sadness. When things in the present are so bad, do we think more about the past? Yeah, I think the short answer is, is yes. Maybe because we came out from under it, in the past and so that makes us feel good mm-hmm. and grateful and really only a pandemic could get us to talk about these things publicly <laughs> yeah actually i never ever would have thought like i, I wouldn't ever... like i wouldn't have like no, no, in no, the no, past no, no. like with our other fr- like, i have mutual friends with this dude yeah and like when i see them i'm still like yeah i don't care about him don't care about him whatever i wasn't that into him during i would like lie basically and I wasn't that into him like they all knew I know I was like it's pretty fucking embarrassing but to be honest like really like a crush that I had in 2008 that didn't like me back is that really the worst thing that can happen no it's not a pandemic it's the worst thing that can happen (laughs) it's true it's true it's true going back into like these things in our youth that we thought was like absolutely gonna break us and really did break us I think a lot of lot of a lot of ways um, just suddenly seems so small. And those ways that mm-hmm. maybe someone hurt us so deeply before, they just feel like little peccadillos because, you know, outside exactly. the world is raging <laughs> and, and everything is so much bigger. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a bit like another, it's a bit like another growing up. Like, you know, yeah, when you're young, everything's exactly. a big deal. Our individual problems are so small mm-hmm. and people are so small. Because suddenly there is something out there that is like bigger than all of us and is affecting mm-hmm. all of us in ways that we could never, ever have imagined. And yeah, maybe it does bring us a little comfort to 
reach back into a time where we thought something big, something so little was actually something so big. And also, like, I think the fact that we, neither you nor I, I'm assuming, because I haven't, neither you nor I have heard from the Connells and the Marianne's of our lives, just goes to show that, like, we gave those people far more importance than they probably deserved. Just putting things in perspective. I mean, well, regardless of whether there was any sort of contact, I 100 did. He try to contact agreed. you. What? No, did I refuse. Uh, <laughs> I plead the fifth. Oh my god, this is too much. I can't. <laughs> You're um, so emotional. I, was, I, was, I know. I know. I'm trying not to I'm gasp. lost in my own feelings, okay? but I want to understand yours. Wow, I, I really hope you don't run that, like, um, gasp from, from, like, I don't know, my, <laughs> my stomach. But it's okay also if you do. It's fine. I mean, it gives me indigestion. This I really felt like I had anxiety. Like, I, I felt like the physical symptoms of my anxiety were in my chest. It's like when I feel that this elephant is sitting on my chest. And usually that really sends me into a panic. Yes. But this time it was like, um, it was sustained (laughs) through the show. And I was was kind of holding on to it. It was, it was like this, this sublime old pain. It was like PTSD and nostalgia rolled into one. Because you've gone through, because you survived it. I think yeah. it's just because you have the, the gift of hindsight, you know, mm. like, I could not have dealt with this story at that point in my life. Mm. During the time I was going through these sort of kind of post-adolescent pre-adult God, no. feelings, because no. I just, you know, like it was so bad. Like I, like, I feel like I was in a situation where I liked someone who didn't like me back. Um, who hasn't been in that situation. Right. And um, I mean, I, kept putting meaning into like little glances that he gave when he probably was looking at me because I had been staring at him. (laughs) So embarrassing. (laughs) It's hilarious now. And like, I'm actually so grateful that I had this experience of kind of um, this kind of humiliating, embarrassing, consuming experience because now I feel like I'm very grateful that my husband loves me back. You know how they're kind of embarrassed of each other or he's embarrassed of her. I love that though. Like, yeah, <laughs> they thought that was such a nice and very real sort of touch. You know, we are so, so influenced real. by like what our friends say. Mm-hmm. And like, I've thought about like, there's been one or two guys that I thought, yeah, okay, they're cool. But then anybody making some sort of comment to me, just I'm done. You know, like it's I, really. I would like conduct my shit in secret <laughs> because yeah. I would insist so much on my way. But if I felt like it was anything that was, you know, not kind of what I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. I would still have my way, but in the shadows. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a sort of secret relationship. I Anytime, have. okay. Girl, so I have. <laughs> so. These secret relationships, there's always somebody who's ashamed of somebody else. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes I always act like I'm this victim of, 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 you know, of that relationship that hurt me. But I also have to own up to the fact that I, 
really kept that person in secret in the shadows for a really long time. And um, kind of like, no wonder he hurt me in the end because mm-hmm. I never chose him. You know, I, it was never going to be us. And probably after years of of me keeping that in the shadows and never making anything you know, public or never really acknowledging anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I don't want to say that I deserved it because I didn't. (laughs) But I can see how in the end he maybe felt like he could have done that to me because I was, because I I kept him hidden away in a way, much like Connell and Marianne. This is the kind of thing that you can only have when you're young because mm-hmm. the rest of the world does matter. I agree. And, and the lack of communication mm-hmm. and the, the ways that you can get away with hurting each other mm-hmm. when you're young is not okay when you're an adult. Nope. Yep. No matter how pure a place it comes from or no matter how, um, no matter how much you didn't mean it, that kind of stuff does not fly when you mm-hmm. know who you are, so true. when you're older, when when you when you have certain responsibilities to like things and people, that doesn't fly. <laughs> so I just think that you know it was a nice um, a nice dip into the past. That kind of pain is something that I want to make sense of. Stories like this, which are rife with confusion, when you're in a situation like that, might not be helpful because they're so much like kind of these like knowing looks and glances and like big long gaps of silence um, that a girl who is in a situation where the guy doesn't like them back, but they just don't want to admit it to themselves, might misconstrue those long gaps of long gaps of silences and those looks for kind of repressed feelings. But I, I'm here to tell you, girl, he just doesn't like you back. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for you. I have been there. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Someone will like you back. Someone will marry you. <laughs> but you need to let this one go and move on. Although, I mean, I have to say it's quite different because with Connell, he really did like Exactly. Her back. He did very, like her back. Very much. He was obsessed. It's just that, yeah. yeah, it's just that he... Um, he, he just couldn't tell her. Yeah. He couldn't tell her when she needed to hear it. But do you see where the danger is for people in kind of mm. unrequited romances? Yeah, um, that you always think they're holding out. Yeah. Because, and then, you know, that one day that you finally <laughs> see them when you're, wearing, when you're wearing the right skirt or like you've, you, you've fixed your hair just right, that's going to be the day that yeah. they're going to tell you. But like, it's so nice because this story oh, of, 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 of unrequited love or misconstrued love has been told a million times. Yes. But I think it's told in such a... It, it, it's, it's, this is a different telling mm. of, that kind of, of that kind of love. And it's so pure. It's so innocent. It's, it's really raw. And it's just like... I mean, it's so, it's so real. There was something that you said the other day when we were talking about this, where you said, like, because you were just saying earlier how it's just so dramatic and so miserable. This person 
is not someone who can be in your life forever. No, 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 no. This no. is like, this is just for that time where you need to learn something about yes. maybe yourself and life. And it needs yeah. to come at you in a really, really intense way so mm-hmm. that you get it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that's it's it. It's done. Yeah, I agree. It's done. Yeah. Like um, you will. And I feel like it is normal to catch yourself wondering. Like there are moments where you wonder like, how would my life have turned out if this, this, and that had happened. Terribly, let me tell you that. <laughs> Tragically. I would like to go on public record and say it would be, it would have gone terribly. Yeah, terribly. it would have just been like, I mean, like, if you can you imagine, like, sort of being in these sort of pseudo relationships and it's already so traumatizing. Can you imagine if you formalized that into a marriage no, and just, God. like, went for it? Can you imagine the kind of, like, if, if I allowed myself to kind of be treated that way or... I wanted to be treated. I wanted to be treated in any way as long as I was treated. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, what suffered the most out of all that was my own pride. It's because I just to this day can't accept that I like something that didn't like me back. You know, well, I like how I still go- like it to this day. It's weird. <laughs> like I can't seem to say anything bad about this person. And I think that, yeah. you know, Marianne having Connell in her life and Connell having Marianne in his life. Um, makes them better prepared for the future. They got each other through the difficulties of their early youth. I'm so thankful that this happened to me like early in, in my life so I could grow from it. Because if I was going through that now or if yes. my marriage was like that now, I mean, uh, it would be big trouble. There's a kind of power struggle between Marianne and Connell. And you kind of don't really know who likes who more. And I feel like young people measure love because they can't understand that intangibles are actually immeasurable. Mm. When you're younger, you think, who likes who more in this situation? We, we don't take into account that maybe this is as much as one person can go. Like, this is him liking you the most. This is the most that he can give. We don't understand the concept of kind of people having their own personal limits. You know, they go from being in school where he's got the sort of upper hand because he's very popular and cool and she's a bit of an outcast. And then you go into kind of later on in life where she's the one that's kind of popular and her wealth features more in the story. Like you kind of see that like how after school, you kind of kind of see how she's got the upper hand financially. And there's just, I feel like there's just this struggle, you know, like he can't ask her if he can stay in her house. It's embarrassing yeah, I feel like for that him. was the first time that this like financial can't. situation really came to light in their relationship. Because prior to that, um, I just don't think it was... Because I don't, I don't think it matters to him. Yeah. I was actually wondering why she didn't offer. You know, because she didn't. But I... She couldn't understand. No, but she could... I don't think she could yeah, understand, she though, thought, right? Yeah. She didn't know that he wanted to stay. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that he didn't necessarily want to stay in Dublin. I think that he just wanted to be with her where she was. Uh, another missed opportunity. For the summer. And you never know where they stand with each other truly. Even if they keep reassuring each other. There's so many times when, when he tells her that he loves her or when she tells him that she'd do anything for him. Because even if they say these things to each other, they kind of do the opposite. You know, he's ashamed of her in public. I remember they had this exchange where she was 
talking um it's not really a spoiler but she was talking about another girl and then another girl that he had been with and she was like what about me are feelings involved and he answers like immediately breathlessly obviously and she goes who's it obvious to and I'm pretty sure that this this thing about his feelings not being obvious she must have said it like two three times in the whole series and it's it's a bit I mean it's funny because she's also not completely forthcoming about Mm. her own feelings and it's like she's compelling also because she's um she's both like completely honest sometimes but also often not when it counts like she can just she can be super honest with connell to get a rise out of him or maybe as a as a methodist seduction but when it counts Mm -hmm. she utterly fails as well i think they both do Connor puts her up on a pedestal, which I think she can't deal with. You know, how can you deal with somebody worshiping you when you basically think of yourself as a as a kind of puddle of shit? You know, like yeah. you just—it's just very difficult to kind of accept that love from somebody who kind of just looks at you adoringly when you have so much self-loathing. Yeah. So and, it's well. To be fair, he he also didn't quite put her up on that pedestal in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning, and. It's it's interesting to see that change because he's also, I mean, he does put her up on a pedestal, but he doesn't really, like, tell her. I mean, it's not like he's a dick. He just, like, can't seem to work out why he's so clueless and hapless all the time, just like guys at that age. I mean, they're just yeah, really hapless. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, there's not that much else you can do. Yeah, I know. I mean, he just also gets away with it because he's really, really know, hot. Like, he's quite... <laughs> And like fit, and, and like I know, fine, like he's very pale and like silvery bodied. Although like so is my husband, so that definitely does not rule a guy out. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, he has this like permanently open mouth expression. Like it's really quite good. Got that little hook nose, which I'm not super crazy about. But he and his eyes. I mean, they're a bit hooded, but like very blue and very bright. But like, do you see his yes. thighs? His thighs were like, like thick. <laughs> and he was like this this big like this big enormous okay not enormous but like he he's this this big man on this little rickety bike and rickety bike, driving his little bike and he's like huge in his shorts and t-shirt and I was like well it's just this is a lot for me this is a lot for me to handle I took a small break <laughs> Connell thinks of Marianne as the love of his life, but they make each other miserable. But with Helen, he's happy, you know, he's holding hands with her. He's sort of a good version of himself. He's relaxed, he's meeting the parents. It's a healthy relationship, and he smiles so much around her. And yet, like a lot of young people, he seems to be seeking pain. At least when it comes to, like, a partner, he seems to be looking for this person who triggers more misery within him than they do joy and a theory i might offer for that is that for people with traumatic family dynamics like in marianne's case and in connell's to an extent who both don't have father figures as far as the story is concerned these complex childhoods complicated for them is what's normal connell and marianne look for this complexity in their love lives and their partners because they're so used to defining love with a measure of sacrifice and sadness, because really our families are sort of our first example of what nurture and love and care and all those things are supposed to mean. 
And if they don't do that well for us, if we start off in life and it's not, you know, it's not a very nurturing and good environment, even if like, you know, all her needs are, you know, her immediate needs are being met, you know, she's fed, she's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, emotionally, it's just a bit of a wreck, like what she ends up being. And um, this might be why the author highlighted kind of Marianne and Connell's family backgrounds, because it really frames the adults that they become. And even for myself, I feel like I may be used to my adulthood and the decisions I made, and especially like kind of choosing, you know, sort of a partner to marry and all these things. I kind of use these things to sort of correct the things I believe were wrong about my own childhood. So as you're coming of age, you know, you, there's this idea where you're kind of still whole, you know, because there's nobody that's kind of cracked at you. And I feel like every kind of failure, every kind of painful experience that you have in terms of our love lives you know, there are, I feel like we're kind of um, sculpted into becoming a specific sort of person. Mm-hmm. That's how I view kind of at least my experience of growing up and transitioning from being in sort of, you know, high school A-levels to kind of uni to kind of where I am now. And these people that you meet, they kind of, you know, they kind of carve you all sorts of ways. And then you have these jagged edges and then you have to kind of meet someone that fits those edges that you have, who's jagged in all the right ways. And the thing is like with Connell and Marianne, like they um, broke into each other so much, but I just don't think that how they broke into each other allows them to fit together. In the same way, the person that broke me the most and sculpted me the most and hurt me the most was never going to be that person who filled the gaps that they created. It was never going to be him to kind of fill in those gaps. They were meant, they were left for someone else to fill, you know, for, my, for me to kind of find my husband. And um, you don't know that when you're being cut at that moment. And the danger is for young people, especially in my case, the danger is to kind of feel like, oh, I've invested so much in this person. I can't let go of it now. I have to kind of keep hanging on. And then you get into like this destructive pattern of kind of wanting something you can't have. And this was something that I saw in a lot of girlfriends that I had growing up. Like we always wanted men we couldn't have. Yeah, because I think that when we seek out these men that we can't have or men that we know that it's not going to work out with, I think it's because we are not ready. What we're seeking is something that won't work mm-hmm. because we're just not there. And that's why I think it really does take time. And you need to find those people, um, you know, that person or those people that are going to chip away at you. And then in the end, hopefully you find someone in the end who finds whatever that chipped sculpture of you looks like and maybe helps you put back some of the pieces together and... Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll be your person. This, by the way, goes against the whole philosophy and psychology of people kind of empowering themselves and saying that I'm whole enough, that I don't need a partner. But I think that it's so specific to who and what kind of person you are. Like in my case, I'm the kind of person who believes I need a partner and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I, no, I, I mean, don't. I, I does that make said, sense? You know what I'm yeah, saying, no, right? Yeah, completely. Like, 
completely yeah yeah I, I know that you don't want to say that someone else put you back together or that yeah. someone else like fixed you mm-hmm. um but but he did I but I all but I also did say someone who helped fix you because I don't think also that I mean we're we're we're, we're social beings we don't mm-hmm. just you know come into the world or come into ourselves by ourselves like the way that we mm-hmm. come into ourselves is through our relationships through our family through our friends through our romantic relationships I think it's very hard to say that you are going to come onto your own on by yourself mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of stuff you need to figure out by yourself but you're also a product of everyone else that you've mm-hmm. been with you know not just romantically but otherwise socially familiarly We talk about growth so much in relation to kind of where we are now and where we were then. I wonder if 10 years from now, we'll be laughing at some of the insights that we have. I'm sure we will. But <laughs> I, I, really, I really like that, though. Like the idea that um, we're not finished yet and that, you know, we could still hopefully get, get better rather mm. than worse in mm-hmm. time. And to be honest, like, I think of my behavior back then, it really makes me cringe. Thank God we are sat high on our marital purchase and can look down on these events <laughs> as a sort of thing of the past. And it's like some somehow beneath and far away from us. Like, it's remote. You know, you kind of like, you, pain from 2008 that served me nada in 2008, you're just there. But like, it had a purpose. It's like, it's been the best escape thinking about this past experience that I've had. And um, I get so excited thinking about it and um, thinking about the people and like the cast of characters that filled my adolescent life is because um, it's an escape, you know? Like I've been feeling so numb lately from all the shit that I've been reading in the news, um, crap that's being passed around on social media. You know, is there a cure? Is there not a cure? I mean, what will the new normal look like? All these questions. And then, bam, you get this fantastic show (laughs) that instantly transports you out of your quarantine into the kind of, um, into the, what what word would you use to describe 2008, Jan? Uh, Well, I don't know if it was particularly 2008 for me. I think it was more of a stretch of time. (laughs) But maybe the deep Like a saga. (laughs) The never-ending story, which finally ended, thank God. But I think it's not just that. I think it's also <laughs> that we realized what we deserved and what we wanted. When you really, really want something and then the whole world tells you that you can, you know, kind of the secret your way into things or believe it and you'll achieve it. But no, it doesn't work that way when it comes to like the feelings of another person. You cannot control how they feel. And that's like a very important message that I want to bring out into the world because I hope it helps somebody um, who might be struggling with this because I really I really struggled with it for a long time. Like I couldn't accept how somebody I had such strong feelings for and who I felt I had was so compatible to, I wasn't. Um, how, you know, that you can get over it. I think mine is much simpler. <laughs> mine is smaller. It's that, you know, a really great love doesn't mean that it's going to be the love. You know what I mean? Like... Mm. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. And that you can move on. Let me think about you it. You know, that like, yeah, it might feel like, it might feel like, you know, like for us, like we didn't marry our Connells and our Marianne's. 
And but thank th- God we didn't. I think that normal people made such an impression on me because I know what it's like to be young and to feel so deeply. And, and it's like when you're young, everything is this huge, huge deal. And certainly mm-hmm. in your mm, romantic relationships, in the romantic relationships that we form in that time, it can really be overblown to this thing that we think is going to make like a mark in our lives. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I guess I'm here to say that, my God, <laughs> I'm like glad that those things don't last into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Even if something feels so real and so intense and so absolutely irreplaceable. Like they always say to each other, Marianne and Connell, they always say it's not like this with anyone else. Mm-hmm. You notice that? And it's like, yes, like, thank God it's not because those are not the relationships that are meant to last. It's like mm-hmm. a moth to a flame or mm-hmm. Icarus to the sun. Mm-hmm. It's like the lasting great love or loves of your mm-hmm. life. It should be the thing that sustains you, not the thing that consumes you. Mm-hmm. And that said, it doesn't mean that what happened before wasn't real or it wasn't right. It was maybe just right for that time. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. If you learn the lesson that you need to learn from it. And the only way that you're going to learn that lesson is if you figure out who you are and what you're about. Because it's the only way that you will know what you deserve. Like, it struck mm-hmm. me so much with Marianne and how you mentioned this earlier, like how she really believes she didn't deserve anything, mm-hmm. right? And it struck me so much how dead she was inside and how she would let almost anything happen to her to test how far mm-hmm. it could go before she would feel anything. And I know mm-hmm. what that's like. like I, and I know it's not a unique situation to be in either. A lot of people have felt like this at some point in their lives, especially in their youth. So I guess like the sooner that you sort that out, the more rewarding your relationships can be. Mm-hmm. And there's no rush, right? Because like, it's life. Like we're meant to like learn as we go along. But mm-hmm. like, thank God for Sally Rooney and Hulu for bringing back a time that was kind of like precious in its own way, but also deeply traumatizing for so many of us that we can sort of look back and be so grateful for where we are now. Thanks for tuning in to the Unlock Philippines podcast. We're definitely learning as we go along as this is a homegrown and homespun effort using whatever tools are available to us at the moment. We hope you found this uplifting and useful. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we are at unlockph.podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.